0: Because for him, this is a pure ego thing.
1: Oh, for sure. As Look, I honestly think it's got a great chance as long as he doesn't get on the field and go, this is
0: the XFL. Well, if it's on Fox, you never know. You're listening to episode 11 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. The podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they likely know nothing about for an indeterminate timeline with a hastily thrown together format a melancholy brought to us this week by Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence. I'm not going to play a clip for you because we would probably get sued and or demonetized, even if we were monetized, but go to YouTube, look it up, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So we're getting sponsored. You're just going to pick some
1: random songs that we're getting sponsored by now? No, no, I think
0: Sound of Silence works for this week.
1: Well, that's fair enough.
0: Specifically this week, we we are brought this week by a song, a very appropriate song Given the topic of the day. I am Carlos Algazar and with me as always is my co-host Dave Turnbull.
1: And I, I do appreciate
0: your your inventiveness when you're coming up with what we're brought to by. Listen, you gotta reinvent yourself constantly. Now we're in double digits. We're not playing in the minor leagues anymore, Dave. We've got things. Yeah. You gotta change it up all the time. So We've got a couple of things that we're gonna be talking about this week. So amongst them, obviously, the big uh, the big elephant in the room from last week finally came and stomped on everyone to death, probably. Tom Dundon decided to put the ax to the Alliance of American Football. We'll talk about uh, how that broke down, our thoughts. Tom Dundon is still an idiot, spoiler. But also kind of what the implication is. And I I did do a video about this, which I'll reference a little bit later on. But specifically, what is the impact now? So now that the Alliance of American Football is out of the way, how does that impact the XFL? How does that impact any other potential leagues that want to be startups like that? That has an impact. It's got a downstream thing happening to it. And then, of course, you know, our standard news and notes. But that'll be the main topic of the day. All right, let's do it. So first couple of news and notes will be short and sweet. Just a couple of congratulations. So first, congratulations to Alexander Ovechkin, first for hitting his 50th goal of the season this past week and his 51st in the same game, which puts him to elite company the eighth time he scored 50 goals or more, which makes actually last season a little bit sadder when he got 49 because nine would have tied him for with with Wayne Gretzky and Mike Bossy for the all-time record. Still a chance to do that next season, but it gets harder, because now you're resetting back at zero, and right now his focus is going to be on the Stanley Cup playoffs, but one thing that I did catch on an article that I read, and I will include the link in the description talking about some of those aspects of it, Ovechkin is now starting to openly talk about a little bit more, about potentially pursuing the 800 goals of a Gordie Howe and trying to beat past that mark, and he's still got an outside chance, you know, people are starting to talk about, it. now that you're below 240 away, could he get to Wayne Gretzky's nine, uh, 894 goals? Maybe? It's still a bit of a stretch, and it would require multiple seasons of of high performance, but at least now it's a conversation. We didn't think, with uh, the way that goal scoring went down for many years, that anyone would even have an outside shot, because you have to be so consistent for so long. So congratulations to Ovi on that one. Also congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning on winning their 60th game this year in the regular season, they had already clinched the President's Trophy, obviously, but at the same time, winning 60 games puts them into elite company, only with the Montreal Canadiens of the mid-70s, I think, 76, 77, and the Detroit Red Wings in the mid-90s, who set the record right now at 62 wins. I don't think they have a shot at that anymore, maybe tying it. I don't. I think they may may have two games left. I think that's all they've got a shot at. I don't think they can break it anymore. I think that's out of... Uh, but out still, of winning,
1: winning 60 games is a pretty big deal. It's elite.
0: You're one of three. That's it. It's you.
1: But I think it also puts you into that category then that... If you don't win the Stanley Cup, right? What does that really mean? Like, what? How much of an accomplishment is it? Because right now,
0: you the know, last two did win the Stanley Cup. Well, that's won what I'm saying. Won. So
1: if you don't win,
0: uh-huh.
1: it's all for naught, and everyone's going to be you're going to actually be thought of as a lot worse team or a lot a team that really choked compared to the other two teams who did win sixty games and then went on and won the Stanley
0: Cup. Yeah, there was a run I remember in the '90s leading up to uh, to my Dallas Star team that I like to reference from time to time. But up until that team. There had actually been a run of President's Trophy winners, you know, choking early in the playoffs. And it was it had become kind of a thing. People wondered openly, like, is it kind of a jinx? Is it kind of actually not desirable to win the President's Trophy because it didn't seem to work out? Dallas winning the President's Trophy and then winning the Stanley Cup kind of broke that jinx for a little while. It still happens from time to time. The President's Trophy is no guarantee of anything other than you had a great regular season. It's acknowledgement of what you did do. Uh, One other one that I didn't include on here, actually, but I think it is worthy of mention, even though it's not my primary sport. Uh, Congrats to Russell Westbrook on having a 20-20-20 game. Very historic because uh, 20 points, 20 rebounds, and um, 21 assists, which uh, puts him into elite company as the only other person to do it, Wilt Chamberlain.
1: Yeah, that's elite. Anytime
0: you can get at the table where it's just you and Wilt Chamberlain and that's it, that's kind of a big deal in the basketball realm. Absolutely it is. Absolutely. So congrats to him as well. So there you go. Three quick ones, and then we can talk about a few other items here. All right. I'm gonna include the. I'm gonna include the article in the description anyway, even though I want to talk about it so much. But the the main topic has to take precedence. I really. I ha- next week. I'll save it for next week. I have thoughts and words on the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, and I have my own opinions to interject. But I'm gonna resist. I will put the article in the description in case you want to read it, and you can develop your own thoughts. We'll talk about it more next
1: week. Yeah. So that's a Bleacher Report article that's come out with uh, some more information about the relationship and what. Aaron Rodgers thought of Mike McCarthy
0: and it allows me to reference a 2015 NFC championship game something I may be looking forward to doing
1: for the listeners there all you need to know is that this really is only an excuse for Carlos to talk about the 2015 NFC championship game yet again
0: the only thing that the only game that caused me more pain than the 2007 NFC championship game I have a lot of baggage to work through this is my therapy Dave this is it you know, what? I can't afford the regular version. This is all I got. <laughs>
1: it's free, right? So hey,
0: <laughs> absolutely. So we'll we'll talk about more that more next week. But for now, I've resisted the urge, so we're going to move on. I have a question for you. Sure. Do you want to talk about Pilar first or pretentious cross country running first? I'll give you the option. You let's, can do it in. Let's.
1: Order. I actually because I actually have two things about pretentious cross country running. So okay. let's talk about Pilar first? first. No, let's talk no, about no. the two. Let's talk about pretentious cross country running.
0: The pretentious cross country running report makes its triumphant, I guess, return with Dave Turnbull. So first thing,
1: and this is this is a minor thing, but I thought it, it I thought it important to mention because something momentous has happened in Canadian soccer history. But mostly in Canadian history. Right? They've they swi- they
0: switched to doing it on ice with pads and No.
1: Oh. oh that'd be interesting. But no, so we've talked briefly on this podcast before about the Canadian Premier League. And I, I'm pretty sure like extremely briefly. But that's the yeah. new league that the Canadian only league starting up at the end of April. Mm-hmm. This week they had their their kit reveal, which for those people who don't speak soccer language is their uniforms. Yeah, okay. Hamilton's. Do you know who their sponsor is? Is it Tim Hortons? Yes. There is a soccer jersey out there now with Tim Hortons on the front of it.
0: Well, I think, uh, okay, so here's the thing. As as the long-running trope, by the way, I feel bad that last week we didn't do any of our tropes. I mentioned this before we turned on the recorder. I, somehow in episode 10, we, we evaded, you know, Me making fun of P.K. Subban, Dave's Fairweather fandom, which is always fun. Poutine, uh, I didn't get in any of my completely unprovoked shots at Tom Brady. Like, we were completely off-brand and discombobulated. I blame Tom Dundon for this, amongst many other things we'll blame him for shortly. However, one other component of it that was also missing, and again we know triumphantly brought back is the pretentious cross-country running report. Like, we were completely off-brand last week. It was weird. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, now that we're kind of, uh, you know, equilibrium is restored in the universe, and here we are. I'm not surprised, though, because it feels like Hamilton kind of has its brand going for it. The thing is, Ottawa did the same thing, not necessarily with sponsorship, but think about, like, the color schemes of all the teams. The Ottawa 67s, the Red Blacks, the the Senators. Oh, for sure. They very much stuck to a theme for the I like that.
1: And and Hamilton was doing that, right? They have their OHL team. Mm -hmm. Has, is black and gold. Yeah. Tiger Cats are black and gold. It's not and a bad idea, though. their Canadian Premier League team is orange and white. As you do. so you, you don't want to be called the Orange Crush or something? Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I just wanted to point out the fact that...
0: I feel like uh, this can be a topic for another day, but I kind of like the idea of a city identifying itself with a certain color scheme and then the team's just rolling with it.
1: Yeah, I do, too. I just, think it's just a great idea. It.
0: I think they, they do that a little bit because the Steelers and the Pirates have a very similar color scheme as well. Which I actually think it's a great branding idea because it associates you with a certain color scheme, and then when people see it, it's like, "Oh yeah, those are Hamilton colors or no, Ottawa sure. colors or whatever." I,
1: I think it's a great idea. I think it works. Which is kind of disappointing that they picked orange. Not that I have anything against those colors. It's just you're Hamilton. You should be black and gold.
0: Maybe if they get enough uh, flack about it, maybe they can do an alternate. That might be that might be a, that might be be a be good sweet. way to appease people like and give them. Yeah. yeah, you can do that. That's an option. And the second thing is, and I, I won't go into too much detail on this, but it's
1: it's one of those things that's 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 come to fruition once again. But there was an interesting point in the article that hopefully you'll link in the description as well. Yep. yep. But the CONCACAF Champions League returned this week for the semifinals. And the only MLS team left, Sporting Kansas City, lost 5-0 to Monterey in Monterey, Mexico. Oh, my. Which basically puts them out of it. And, right? They still have a a leg. Uh, I was kind
0: of wondering if there was a follow-up to that. It kind of puts them out of it. Yes. Losing puts you out of it.
1: But they have a, a a return leg in Kansas City, so if Kansas City goes home,
0: oh okay, so you're talking about this is like uh, this is like the two game aggregate score, thing. right? Okay, okay, okay. So
1: you. if they win six nil at home, not gonna happen.
0: Well, so but five nothing is like you know being down five hundred and fifty seven to nothing in most other sports, pretty much. Yeah.
1: So it's not gonna happen, and we'll we'll have another All Mexico final because the other semifinal, final uh, Tigres versus Santos Laguna is both teams from Mexico. So sure. it's going to be yet another all Mexico final, and the Mexican team will win yet again, leaving MLS shut out and still wishing they were anywhere close to being as good as the Mexican
0: league. So you're saying that they should have had more or less tequila before the game. Would that have helped or hurt?
1: The Mexicans or supporting Kansas City? Yes. Yes.
0: Either way, you know, I, listen, I'm not particular to, to me. I, I don't think it could possibly hurt. I'm not a tequila guy, but if you're going to, might as well. When in Rome, but but I, the other thing that, that makes me wonder about this is,
1: at some point as a as a federation as Concacaf, sure, right, like if Mexico, sorry, if if the MLS teams aren't going to seriously compete, and I mean when I say seriously compete, I don't mean do what Kansas City did and just try and go for it and be hopelessly thrashed on the counterattack, because that's what happened in the game. When I say that is consistent, you want to be consistently good enough that you can beat Mexican teams, not that you necessarily do all the time. But that you can that they're nowhere near that and so why should anybody outside of Mexico care about this competition?
0: That, that, that right there is low hanging fruit
1: No, I know but I mean if you look at UEFA Champions League yeah yeah I get right you. multiple country everybody cares about it even though even the countries that know they can't win they still invest they love the tournament okay right even though really for the last few years it's really been Spain is a big but England has had winners, Spain has had winners. Italy's had winners. Okay, let me ask right? you a question. Let you know? me let
0: me actually play off your question, and let me let me present uh, not an alternative, but a question, kind of in the down that vein. There was a similar issue with this, kind of. Uh, so you know, again, you know, we want to keep the CRTC happy. So here's a little. Here's another brief hockey mention. Uh, think about what was going on with. Um, so we when we talk about Olympic hockey here, it's very popular. Like Team Canada, Team Canada, you know, yes, always. Absolutely. You know, the World Juniors or the Olympics or whatever. But one of the things that also Canada dominated for a long time was the women's hockey game, especially in the Olympics and World Championships. But for a long time, it was Team Canada and Team US in every single final. Right. Because they were really the... They were head and shoulders above all the other teams in all the other countries. For a long time, it would almost... The question was presented very similar to what you're saying. These other countries are in no position to compete. What's the point of even having this competition if really it's only a handful, in this case two, countries that can legitimately compete? Now, the argument that could possibly be carried over to this thing is, okay, yeah, they're getting thrashed all the time. You know, even though Russia is good at hockey, the women's Russian hockey team wasn't that good. Or Finland or Sweden or whatever that are traditional hockey powers elsewhere. But at the same time, also, in promoting, in having them there, it also encouraged them to try to improve. Because seeing what the bar is, look at how much better they are than you. You're going to have to really step up your game. And it is possible. You know it's possible because they're doing this. And they're giving each other competition because the US and Canada were trade wins. So it wasn't like one team was dominant, everybody else sucked. But it was two teams were dominating and everybody else sucked. But then after a while, um, I don't remember the exact configuration, but I think like Sweden won something and I think Finland won something. And it wasn't, they were making competitive matchups, whereas before they were just getting trounced right. every single time. So they did steadily get better. They still haven't quite gotten up to that level. It's still Canada and US predominantly, but there's other teams that could potentially upset them at any time. And that's really what you needed to happen. Now, for your thing for Concacaf, I guess it's going to really come down to whether um, to whether they're willing and capable of stepping up. Now they know what their competition level is. That's still not the highest level of competition, but it's still clearly better than they are. So you need to step up your game. You need to improve your tactics. You need to get better players. Like you have to improve. It motivate. It should motivate you to try to improve. Right.
1: No, but I also feel the league as a whole, basically the, the league set up that the league needs to. Mm-hmm. Help or do something to try and help these teams be more competitive in these games and care about this tournament more.
0: Okay. So, what do you win win if you win it?
1: You, well, you obviously win a trophy. Yeah. But you get, you go to the FIFA Club World Cup, which means you play the winner of the UEFA Champions League and the Oceania League and the African Champions League and the Asian Champions League. So, you all get together and play in a tournament. Okay. But is there cash? To be the FIFA Club Champion. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's always cash.
0: Well, maybe maybe bumping up the cash. What, what I'm saying though is like you have to give them some kind of motivation because right now, effectively, what you're saying is you go and play in this, and then you win it so that you can win the right to play in another tournament with even better teams. You know, which is great. That's that's awesome. You know, you want to steadily move up your level, but is that even that important to them? Whereas the Mexican league and those guys, you know, they they they've already been competing for a long time. And they, and they constantly want to earn respect. So from their standpoint, they're very motivated. The, those players are motivated to try to consistently get there. And they want to prove themselves at that higher level. But you're looking at this other league where it exists here. And it's, they're professionals. But a lot of the professionals that go and play in, um, for some reason, I'm blanking on the league again. The one we're talking about. MLS. Thank you. Major League Soccer. In MLS though, a lot of these players, for, at least for a long time it was, they would come from say, you know, professional leagues elsewhere and they would be either at the end of their run or it'd be a situation where like, you know what, I'd like to make some more money. I still want to play, but I'm not, you know, if we win, awesome. But it's not so serious. MLS almost feels like it's, yeah, we're competitive, but it's almost like a uh, paid men's league. We're having some fun. We're, we're doing some games and, you know, people come and watch and we do the stuff, but it's not, yeah it, it doesn't feel like it has that same need to be that competitive. I don't think there's that much pride in MLS per se compared to like the Mexican League where for them it's a, it's honor that, you know, if they win and then they go compete at that level and if they go and have good games against those even superior, better competition, for them it's like uh, a feather in the cap.
1: Yeah. I think it means sure. more to them.
0: I think that's, I think that's part of your, what you're talking about. I think about.
1: it does too at this point in time. Yeah. But I just wish the league could do, right? Because, for example, like when TFC actually made it to the final last year, that the league, they wanted to have a game switched mm-hmm. so they could go down and train in Mexico. Because that's the other thing. A lot of the games in Mexico are at, are, are at altitude. whereas they Altitude? Are, yeah, altitude. Sorry, I don't know why that didn't come out right. But whereas in North America, basically unless you're in Colorado, mm-hmm. there aren't any games at altitude. Yeah. So that makes it, and it's a lot higher than it is in Colorado, too. Sure. So that makes a difference, too. So TFC wanted to go down and train and get more acclimatized, and the league was like, no. You know, things like that, when, especially if you're you're doing that league-by-league comparison, you would hope that your league would support that.
0: Maybe the solution for that, and I don't know why I'm solving, uh, you know, MLS's problems, I don't really care. But maybe the actual solution in all seriousness maybe the real solution is they're just going to have to really keep working at developing that homegrown talent who actually has a connection to MLS who isn't just imports from elsewhere and if you have more of that homegrown maybe they would have, be more incentivized to defend the league per se and kind of you know they they're they having players on the team that actually care about the brand MLS that way because they came up in that system yeah might give you that what you're looking for yeah I think that might actually work. Totally. Yeah, so I, I think that, that would be my answer to you.
1: Anyway, that's all I want to say about pretentious cost country running for
0: this week. There you go. And I even contributed. Oh. So I know. There, there you go. So, let's talk about Pilar. All right, Kevin Pilar, what are your thoughts? Go for it. Uh,
1: well, I was disappointed. I mean, there was a lot of rumors about this that be, are going around before it actually happened. So, for those of you who don't know, Kevin Pilar, former center fielder from the Toronto Blue Jays, was traded to the San Francisco Giants for a bucket of baseballs. Or, as they like to call it, three prospects.
0: But are they scuffed baseballs or new ones?
1: Uh, this is important. What, maybe one is somewhat new. The other two are scuffed. I accept your terms.
0: So I'll answer it. Like Here's the thing. I understand where you're coming from. And a lot of fans, so jokes aside, a lot of fans express this. And, I, and, believe, and what I like about this is this is one of the few times, like it happens from time to time. I've got a lot of sports fans in the office. This is one of the ones that led to a conversation. And it doesn't happen all the time. It still happens from time to time, but it's not, you know, the Jays. When the the Jays were in the playoffs those couple of years, all of a sudden a lot of people were talking about it. Yeah. That's that's how I can indicate, you know, the level of interest. If suddenly, because people know I'm a baseball guy. So if randomly people go, hey, Carlos, what did you think about blah, blah, blah? Then that, then then you know, it has
1: some sort of rapid. I know, I know,
0: I know, I know it hit, you know, to a certain degree. So this, this polar trade hit. But my, um, I kind of have to take almost like a lackadaisical ant- response to it, not because I don't like him Pilar as a player, I do, but the but the thing is, it's like, oh well, oh my goodness, so that it takes him from being a sixty-seven win team to like a sixty-five. This, this is rough.
1: Well, it's not so much like I don't av- I don't actually have an issue with them trading away Pilar. That's mm-hmm. not my issue. Uh-huh. My issue is what they got back for Pilar. What would you What do you think you get back from? Well, though? and it's not it's 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 not even that. It's these prospect. These what you, you you? This isn't improving your team. Well, and I, I don't think it's improving your team long term
0: either. I've argued that the Jays in particular are not the team that I would look to for trying to build through the draft. Historically, they're not that good at it. It's just looking at it from the perspective of, yeah, you want to get prospect because that is an asset and you can package prospects for potentially other deals. But right now, I don't see the front office as actually taking on the idea. I don't see them having a decisive plan. It's not like you're stacking these uh, these picks in order to package them for a big player or something. I've never seen the Jays for a long time as being particularly great at actually drafting homegrown talent. They'll get players here and there for sure. But their big competitive advantage, especially in the 80s when they started to get better, was that they did a great job scouting in Latin America. They, they got a lot of really great players that they were able, it just came to that they had really good scouting and a lot of contacts and they were able to utilize those to their fullest. The Jays don't really have that competitive advantage anymore. It's right now they're basically average at best in terms of scouting, in terms of making these selections. And with no defined game plan, you're making trades and you're trading away. Kevin Pillar wasn't going to make a difference to you this year or next year or the year after. It really comes down to whatever the team is. And the thing is, with the Jays, I, we talked about this a little bit during the preview. I see them being kind of as a middle-of-the-road, mediocre team where when the pro, when the prospects they do have start hitting a little better or pitching a little better, they'll be all right. But it's not like they're going to be competing for division titles. Like, it's not going to make that much of a difference. And I don't think the answers are going to come in the draft room. I think it, I think what they're hoping for is that enough of these prospects hit at the same time. Because I always refer back to the Carlos Delgado, Sean Green, Shannon Stewart. Like, there was plenty of talent and then you had Roy Halladay and Chris Carpenter, not all at the same time, but you had them right around the same era, and you couldn't field one competitive team. It didn't no, matter.
1: That's true. But I mean, look, at your, you got Derek Law, who's mm-hmm. a right-handed reliever,
0: mm-hmm.
1: whoop-de-doo, utility inferior Alan Hansen, and a pitching prospect, Wanda Paula, who in the Giants organization is ranked number 19. Not ranked number 19 in baseball, ranked number 19 in the Giants organization, which doesn't have a good farm system to begin
0: with. But at least he's in the top 20, Dave. Well, yeah, sure. At least in the top 20.
1: But anyway, I just feel I want more return if you're going to trade players away like that. Or at least more potential upside.
0: That's fair. I get it. My, my big response when I, I was having that conversation at the office was I said, I like Pilar as a player. I think Kevin Pilar's greatest value is as a good piece on an already good team. San Francisco Giants are not that. So he's not going to change life for them either. But the Jays were not a great team, so he's not going to change life for them either. But in 2015 and 2016 when the Jays were a playoff team and you had all these good hitters around it and you were playing, then Kevin Pillar is suddenly a tremendously valuable player because you got to have guys like that who can do certain things. And I actually referenced one of my one of my favorites from the from the World Series years, Pat Borders couldn't hit his weight for most of for most of his tenure, but he served a purpose. And on those championship teams, he was fine. And then during the 92 World Series, he was MVP. He had 450. So it doesn't matter. The fact that he couldn't hit his weight the entire rest of the time, it made no difference because he did his job the rest of the time. Because you had Joe Carter, you had Roberto Alomar, you had, in the first year, you had uh, Dave Winfield. You had other guys whose job was to make up that difference.
1: Yeah, and very defined roles.
0: Everybody had their role. Everybody knew what they were trying to do. And in 93, the hitting got even better. So all of a sudden, oh, but we still got pepper. Doesn't matter. You're fine. Because it's not his job to hit. Yeah. It's his job to play defense, and that's what he did. So uh, I agree. Farewell to uh, Kevin Pillar. Hopefully he does well. You know, I think uh, I still think he's a good player, and he should be able to help out a team. I don't know if San Francisco is going to be his final destination, but for now, at least it'll give him an opportunity to play. And, you know, he can have some fun in the meantime and maybe get himself uh, another deal in future seasons. Yeah. So absolutely. So I think that's it for the Kevin Pillar trade. Are you ready to uh, the segment that I shall call Slagging Tom Dundon? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So there's going to be two components to this conversation. I want to focus first on the Alliance of American Football because that's, you know, uh, the Simon and Garfunkel reference at the beginning of the episode. You know, hello, darkness, my old friend. That's, I'm not going to play the clip because we're not getting demonetized or blocked out. Yeah, we're that. not getting sued. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. However, it, it fits here because unfortunately, everything we said last week, in my opinion, still is still as valid. Strategically, it doesn't make any sense. But what ended up happening is that Tom Dundon finally made his decision and decided that they were going to suspend operations, which is a euphemism for we're going to shut the thing down effectively. Because- Mark, can I just interject?
1: I hate that term. Suspend operations? Just suspend, any, right? Just say you're folding the league, right? It's like when people say, I'm suspending my presidential campaign.
0: No, you're pulling out of the race. Didn't they use the same verbiage for the Canadian Women's Hockey League, which happened right, I think, the same week?
1: Yeah, it did happen. I think it was
0: way. also called suspended operations, I, I believe. Mean, I hate, just say, it,
1: the league is folding. I just I just hate that verbiage. I know it's not a big deal, but it just, it drives me nuts.
0: Well, in fairness, technically, somebody could have swooped in within like 24 hours and said, I'll reopen it. They, no, could, have, they could have unlocked the door. I get that, but. But it, it, it was not likely. The, the likelihood of that happening was very low. No, but I get it. Uh, the verbiage is kind of dumb. Let's be realistic about it. We'll, we'll talk about various aspects of it, but one thing I'll lay out quickly. I still strategically don't like it. We'll talk about why more in a second, but also it, every aspect of it came off as a bad look. So let's talk about the, the personal segment of it first, and then we'll talk about the business segment of it because I want to focus on the business segment more as we transition into how will this matter or not to the XFL. I've got my thoughts on that. And I've got, like I said, a theory of what I think probably could, could have happened had the parties been interested. So, from a personal standpoint, the problem is number one, you left everybody kind of in the lurch because the teams and the players and everybody is like sitting back going, So, are we playing or not? Which is a really terrible way to do business. Just if you kind of know what you're going to do, then give people a heads up so that they yeah. can kind of decide their own fate and set themselves up. Well, oh, Another yeah. the thing I did the, about-
1: the amount right. of people, like for example, all these rumors are swirling around. Some people are saying the league's folding, or whatever. Yeah. San Antonio's still having a practice. Well, that's happening.
0: That's what I mean. So right? it,
1: There are players who, I, would, I wouldn't say stranded is maybe not the best word, but you know they're living now 17 hours-ish away from where they live, and the league's like, uh, have fun, get back on your own.
0: That, that That's what I was going to allude to. You know, these it, types of things. That's a bad look. It doesn't matter if Tom Dundon is like, okay, you know what? I don't care. Just shut the thing down. At the very least, you make accommodations and say, look. Everybody who's already out there, here's a plane ticket home, you know, go home and do your, you know, see your family, whatever. It's not that much. I'm not a guy who insists that business people need to like, oh, but we care. I don't care whether you care or not. That doesn't matter. Just from a good PR standpoint, at the minimum, do them a solid and take care of the bare minimum. Let everybody be able to get back to where they're going to go, especially if you, if they're out there for your business, because you're the one who shut it down. You could have kept the doors open. We already talked about it. Like allegedly, it would have taken about twenty million to finish the season, all the way to the end. And I outlined in my video, um, and I talked about this for about. Uh, it was a twenty-minute video, but maybe the first half was mainly about the AF. The second half is talking about the XFL. But in that first half of the video, what I was really referring to, and my biggest takeaway from it, was I think they should have finished it, if for nothing else than Tom Dundon is still a businessman, and if you're doing business. How do you think CBS feels about Tom Dundon right now? Tom du- If CBS could do something to Tom Dundon, I'm sure they would, I'm sure they would because realistically he screwed them over just as much as anybody else because from CBS's standpoint now we got to fill in all this content that we had already put on our schedule. Mm-hmm. I got to find something to put in there. Now they can find something to put in there, but it's like guys, yeah, They will. Live, live sports, regardless of whether you think the ratings were super high or not, live sports always does well. It gets engagement. It gets eyeballs on the product. It's good for the sponsors because now if you go show a movie of the week randomly on a Sunday, yeah, some people will watch it anyway. Whatever, I'm already on the channel. It's not going to draw the same as a live event,
1: right. it, especially playoffs.
0: Yeah, you can't you can't replace a live event that way, especially on such short notice. So you screwed over CBS, is what you did, and your other partners. You know, Bleacher Reports and NFL Network and whatever. NFL Network is you not know who else I feel bad for. It. Go ahead.
1: The Allies Podcast.
0: There you go. That's true. Yeah, because they had already they had already set up an entire thing. And and I do feel bad for, there were a lot of, um, because as part of going into it, we've talked a lot about the Alliance on this podcast, but it's not the only thing we talk about. We talk about other things and it was- uh, And was, we
1: will continue to do so.
0: Absolutely. I was, I was actually talking with Oaks about this exact thing. And one of the things that I said is like, well, it sucks. It sucks for us as well as fans or as people that talk about it because it gave us something to talk about. Yeah. I can tell you the YouTube channel. The last couple of weeks, when I've had the opportunity to talk about even the weeks of the Alliance and things, a YouTube channel that had zero promotion outside of mentioning it on this podcast, which had zero promotion. The last video I made on it got a hundred views in a couple of days from nothing. I haven't gone. I haven't gone through any trouble. I didn't even mention to you that I put the video. Out. I just left it there. I let it organically do its own thing. Yeah. Which means people are looking it up. People were interested. So it was beneficial to us because it kind of let me promote the podcast through a video. But I also got to talk about the league in real time as things were going on and people were interested. And there was some engagement. We had some comments, some ideas. And the thing is, that's good. People were interested. That gave everybody something. So you've got these other ones, though, that built their entire uh, you know Instagram pages, some people doing analysis on it, people that... It's always good when these things happen because the world of sports has changed. And I won't get into this big, long spiel about it, but I think it, it's worthy of a couple of moments. It's great in the world of sport that we're in a day where when I was, young, when I was younger and I was in university with you, one of the things that I, I considered doing a hundred times is I considered going in to volunteer for the radio station because I love the concept of radio in long form. This is before the era of podcasts. The era of podcasts lets me have long form. This is what I wanted in the first place. But it allows me to do it from my house in an office. I don't have to go to the radio station and have a switchboard operator and and, you know, necessarily take call ins, but we can do that, you know, with technology today, Skype or whatever, we can do all that. And you can do it from your own home, or you can do it from wherever, or a small studio, or whatever. The point is, a bunch of these people created Instagram pages and these things. Some of these people have never involved themselves in anything, and now they had an opportunity to do analysis on an upstart league. The NFL is saturated. We can talk about the NFL until we're blue in the face, but we're one voice amongst millions. When a league starts up from nothing, nobody is an expert because there's not enough information. So you're no better or worse off yeah. than the analysis on ESPN. So that that levels the playing field. And, this, and the internet and all these things have leveled the playing field to allow people who are quote-unquote not experts to become experts because unless you played the game at that level or coached at the high level – the only the only expertise you have is you're passionate and you did your research and you looked into it and you observed. Right. And what funny enough, if you do that for long enough, one day you wake up and you're an expert, and that's great for a lot of these people who are who got a start where they wouldn't have done it. And if they continue on and move on to whatever else, for us, it's going to be talking about different sports. Unfortunately, we miss out on we on the last couple of weeks of the season and the playoffs, which would have been interesting to talk about. But we still got baseball. We still got other sports. Yeah. The hockey, you know, hockey will go into the playoffs. That'll be fun to talk about. And then when we get to the summer, we'll talk about the CFL because the, the football has become kind of our bread and butter here in this brief period of time. And to be honest, I'm happy to talk about it. And I'm probably going to watch more CFL this year than I've watched in years just because it's, it gives us the content. And it's going to be very similar to what we've been talking about here. And, we'll, and I'll make fun of the Hamilton tie Cats as I do. Well,
1: somebody's got to because yeah. it ain't going to be me.
0: There you go. So the point is I feel bad for them. So that's outside of the league and outside of the players and outside – so there's folks that have really put in some time and effort into building things out of nothing that now have to find something else to do. Mm -hmm. So I feel bad for them. I feel bad for the players. I feel bad for the people working in the office. And it's not fair the way that it played out when you didn't know. You suspected but you didn't know and then suddenly you knew and all of a sudden get out. Yeah. That's about the worst way you can do things. It's not
1: good. It's it's a horrible business model.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Now, that's the personal aspect of it. Let's talk about briefly about the business aspect of it. We talked about the obvious. One of the things that gets thrown out there is that, well, Tom Dundon was predominantly interested in the technology for the gambling technology. So let's talk about that for a second. Legally, I don't think he can. I don't think you can buy a business that way. Now, I don't know the particulars. I'm not a lawyer and I don't claim to be one. But I'm pretty sure it would be frowned upon to buy a business and then shut it down immediately just to steal the technology. I'm pretty sure there are some rules against that.
1: Yeah, I don't, I'm not familiar with yeah. the, the U.S. Because otherwise, why, because why, otherwise
0: why wouldn't you do that with a hundred other things? You, because it'd be very easy then. You might as well just buy the business. All right, I just wanted the technology. Get out. You could do that. And, but then keeping the league afloat for a couple of weeks would have been pointless. You might as well just shut it down as soon as you bought it. And the other thing is Tom Dundon doesn't own it lock, stock, and barrel. He's the primary owner. He, he, had, the, he had the ability to shut it down. But there were other investors they could argue, hey, I own a piece of that too. Yeah. You can't just take this technology without talking to us.
1: But I think that goes to the problem with the league in the whole is if you give one person so much control, yeah. it's problematic. I mean, you've seen it. Do- I think you've seen the documentary. I haven't. the Who killed the uh, USFL? Yes. Right? Yeah. Or whatever that's called.
0: I believe mean, something like that. Yeah.
1: But, you know, short on the spoiler alert, the answer is Donald Trump but they right they, it wasn't
0: just him but he but he, his idea kind of right came. but
1: they gave they ceded all the a lot of the other owners ceded power to him mm-hmm. in a sense where he took on the NFL in an antitrust lawsuit and lost and that folded the league no the
0: antitrust lawsuit they won
1: oh that's right they, they, they the,
0: the problem is they won but the problem is the judgment was a couple of dollars so they spent all this money to do this lawsuit and in the end they won but their consolation prize was a check of like I want to say like thirteen dollars or something. Yeah, I, I remember them? that. It wasn't very much. Yeah, so it was. So the endeavor, conceptually, they 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 set a precedent because they proved that the NFL was operating as a monopoly, which was true and probably is still kind of true. But it's mostly because of the NFL's financials. The NFL doesn't really have to put the hammer down another league anymore. They don't really need to. They can do so by sheer financial might. They don't need to crush your league. Oh, that's yeah. why it's that's why it's funny when people talk about oh the NFL won't allow this. They don't really have to. The upstart costs of a league are so high that you basically just let the league run its course. And just well, on
1: this is a case in point right here.
0: Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, the league didn't run out of money. The owner, the owner who had the money, and just decided not to.
1: Right. In in a way where he didn't need to. Right. Because this league would still have worked without an agreement with the NFLPA. Which I, I, and I honestly feel that over time, you probably could have come to some kind of agreement. But the problem is, Dundon's like, you're going, you're doing, I want this agreement on these terms, or I'm taking my ball and go home. Right. When he didn't have any bargaining chips.
0: That specific reason is why people are throwing out the idea that it might have just been a play for the technology. Set up a scenario that's unwinnable. And then there's your excuse to get out. Right. But as you said, why not
1: just do that from the get-go?
0: Well, not even just that. Here's here's The reason why I challenged this one. So like I said, I know it's out there. So could it be the case? Maybe. But my problems are are like this. Unless they're further along in that app and technology than it seems to be, because I haven't seen any evidence of it. Unless they were much further along than it seems to be, whatever uh, app or data they have, the question you're asking yourself is, was it worth $70 million dollars? For 70000000 million, couldn't you have built your own app? Couldn't you have gotten your own technology? Or if you just wanted the app and the technology and you didn't want to necessarily buy out the league in order to get it, why don't you just poach the developers? Like no matter what well, app you Well, have, your
1: point is there's, there's a variety of different ways you could have gone about Most this.
0: of them are less expensive. Like, and they're just to e- you less money. Yeah. yeah. You, don't, you don't really have to front it. Just, st- just poach the developers. Just offer them twice as much money and go, hey, I know there's some proprietary stuff you can't take, but the concepts are in your head. You know what you did to build it. Can you bring it to completion for me? Yeah. And then just offer them the – like I promise you that will cost you less than $70 million. So whatever you think you're going to get out of the app, I don't think you're going to collect on it soon enough to make it worth your while. And by the way, I'm sure somebody else is probably kicking around that app right now with their own developers, and they might beat you to the market. All that effort, and imagine if you still get nothing Yeah. if you're second to market. So I don't know. The reality is, from that perspective, it, it still seems like a bad business play. From a PR standpoint, everything he's done is almost completely wrong. Well, can I make a point about go the ahead.
1: PR standpoint? So this is one thing that got me. So when I first heard about this from a text from you,
0: yeah,
1: you know, I started looking it up, and I looked. At, I've looked at the web. I've gone to the AFF website mm-hmm. several times since. And if you go, just go to the website. There's no indication that there aren't games being played this weekend.
0: They might have fired all the developers, right? Like you would have <laughs> th-
1: but you would think, at the very least, they would put up like a banner that said, like they could leave everything else not on, but say, not. "Thank
0: you, fans," or something like that. You could put it in a press release. Just say the you know we have decided to suspend operations, blah blah blah. You know, just put it put it in a little blurb. Just get your just get your secretary to write something up, yeah, and then put it on something. Screen. But but I, I'm serious. I, I'm only again I'm not making fun. Just so we're clear. Uh, right off the top, we said we feel bad for all those folks, and nobody deserves to lose their job in that way. It's you know it's garbage to do it that way. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's no web team left. Who's going to update the site? So, and again, Tom Dundon has demonstrated a certain amount of disdain for the league in his actions. Whatever he said is one thing, but his actions are demonstrating a disdain for... People who technically were under his employee. As soon as he bought it, they're your employees yeah. and you're treating them like trash and just throwing them out. And it's not a good look. So why would you want to work for Tom Dundon, given that he treated his own employees this way? He can say, oh, I inherited them. Well, then you can still treat them a little better than that. It wouldn't have been, so for me, the play, if you genuinely just want to get rid of it. If you wanted the app, there are cheaper ways to do it. We talked about that. If you just wanted uh, the technology, again, same thing, cheaper ways to do it. Also, if you wanted to buy the league, wanted to take a stab at it, wasn't happy with what you were getting out of it, and decided I'm gonna get out, then finish the season. In, in, the, in the in the scheme of things, $20 million is a drop in the bucket to you. You can write it off anyway. It doesn't matter. As a business, you can write off losses. So take the $20 million loss, take the tax write-off that comes with it, and then at the end of the play, at the end of the championship game, say, you know what, guys, we gave it a good shot. We're not gonna come back for season two. You would have met all your, you would have paid everybody off, gotten it off the books gotten your tax write-off and your network partners wouldn't have been wouldn't have been left screwed over because like i said i don't think they're going to be thrilled about that
1: no Th- this nothing f- other than maybe the technology piece which who knows tom Dunn does not come out of this in a good light at all
0: yeah as a businessman as a person none of it it's like you just look really dumb for everything you did so that's really the AF piece, because the truth is you could keep talking about it, but there's not a lot more to say because it's straightforward. As soon as you suspended operations, that kind of canceled everything. Right.
1: But what does it mean for the XFL?
0: Yes. So the second half of that video I referenced, link in the description as always, the second half of that video really came down to me thinking through that exact question. And from one perspective, you know, like I said, screwing over CBS and all that, I think it poisons the well for a lot of other leagues that are trying, because now... You've got this track record of more than 20 years, including the original iteration of the XFL, including the attempted UFL, including you know the arena football league going through various iterations, every other type of football that is tried. And this is where the U.S. is going to have to answer some serious questions because it's become almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. You have to, if you're going to create a league, you have to be able to get deep enough pockets to sustain it through a full season and accept those losses because you have to prove to people now that you can even hang in there. Yeah. Because they won't trust you. Right no, now, they've been burned too many times by too many leagues because there were legitimate fans for the XFL, and they slowly went away when they saw the football product was bad. The Alliance actually had a decent football product that was on the upswing in terms of improvement. You saw improvement. And the fan bases that were there were, were fairly passionate considering they were new. You can say, oh, but they're not as passionate as some of the NFL. The NFL has had since 1920 to build some of these fan bases. Oh, they did, for sure. They didn't start yesterday. Same thing with colleges, right? Exactly. You've got that, you've got that loyalty built in. You've got time. You've got all that. This one, you don't have that yet. You, you couldn't have built it in under a season. It's impossible. So from a business standpoint, any network that is looking at a potential upstart league is going to have the same questions. That Now let's zoom into the XFL. Advantages the XFL has. Number one, Vince McMahon is stubborn as hell. And he knows how to make money. And he knows how to promote. Bye. And he will not spare any expense his ego will demand. And this is a good and a bad thing. So depending on how you want to perceive it. But his ego will demand that he will pull out all the stops to do everything in his power to make it succeed. He will not quit halfway through. Even if he's losing money hand over fist and people are yelling at him to quit, he will, he will stubbornly get to the finish line. It doesn't matter. The XFL, the original one, was a disaster. And they've pushed it to the finish line. They said, we're going to get to the finish line no matter. And it was the television partners who gave up on them because they were willing to go to season two. As bad as it turned out, they were willing to go to season two. And in... Um, In his autobiography, Bob Ackles, before he passed away in his autobiography, had a chapter in the XFL. And he genuinely believed that they would have had a much better product in season two because they were figuring out how to fix the on-field problems to make it a better product. So he thought that a season two, they could have actually had a shot at it in 2002 to do much better. But they never had a chance to actually do it. But I can pretty much promise you, and um, I don't know if you caught the numbers. I mentioned them, but are you familiar with the numbers that Ms. Mann is playing around with right now? No, I'm not. Okay. So the initial upfront start to get Alpha Entertainment off the ground involved him selling $100 million of WWE stock. Okay. That was his initial startup capital. So already, pretty strong startup capital, just to get out of the gate. Right. And this is almost two years in advance of actually getting the league on the ground. Right. Recently, as I believe last week, he sold some more WWE stock to the tune of $272 million.
1: Which so, is more than Tom Dundon. So he laughs. At, put in. So he laughs.
0: Well, the, it's more than the amount he committed potentially because the seventy million is what he actually put in, but he committed up to two fifty. So Vince McMahon laughs at your piddling two hundred fifty million because you didn't even do that. He's got he's got a war chest that over these past couple of years from just selling some. I think the total sales of his WWE stock are equivalent to one percent of his holdings. He's got plenty of money to push. So potentially a war chest of almost 370 million, and the league hasn't started yet. So in terms of uh, pockets, he's got deep enough pockets, enough stubbornness, enough marketing savvy. The only thing he's missing, which is part of the reason I mentioned the network's getting screwed over, which is why I think this is kind of important for them as well, he doesn't have a television party yet. Now, with that said, I did speculate on the video that I said, well, they are doing a deal, and I did confirm it this week, I believe this October, uh, SmackDown is going to start being on Fox. So they've got a deal with USA for raw and some of the shows, and they've got a deal, uh, for SmackDown on Fox and Fox is going to do a network show for WWE where they're going to talk about it. Like from storyline perspective, or whatever, they're going to have like a, a network show where cool. they're going to talk about. It. So Fox is getting in bed with the WWE pretty seriously. And between those two deals, think about it this way. When you're, when I'm mentioning the money and the capital and everything, WWE has the WWE network, which people know about, They've got about a million and a half subscribers to that, and that's kind of about their peak that they've reached. I don't think they're gonna get that much further along with it because there's only so many people that are willing to pay specifically for WWE product. But at an equivalent of $10 US per month, one and a half million viewers, not all of them are paid, but let's say they were. That's $15 million a month. That's $180 million a year. That's one revenue source. I'm not talking about merchandise. I'm not talking about live sales. I'm not talking about their big events. I'm not talking about the fact that between USA and Fox, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I believe The two television deals they've signed with them are over $400 million a year.
1: That's a significant amount of money.
0: In addition to all the assets they already own, that they monetize in a multitude of ways. Right. And I'm not talking about Alpha Entertainment and Nexville yet. That's a separate entity that he built. So the point is, Vince can go back into the WWE piggy bank and grab more money. So we're not worried about Vince running out of money. And if he reaches a point where he absolutely can't sustain it, he'll shut it down. But the point is... From, but I don't you've th-
1: got the first season done. It's yeah. paid for.
0: I don't think he's worried about the first season. I think for him, it's come down to can I, can I overcome now the challenges, the marketplaces. That's why I think he went to go get more money. He goes, I need to make clear to everyone, I'm in for the long haul. I'm not going anywhere. We're going. We're going to play this season out, no matter what happens. And he's made and 272 million dollars is kind of an exclamation point on. And it's one owner. So as far as that company is concerned, Vince McMahon is God. He's the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. Everything goes through him. And he's not going anywhere from sheer stubbornness, as I said. So think about it that way. But the problem, as I said, is going to be the television partner. Now, if those cozy feelings with Fox continue, maybe Fox would air the games. That's what would make it. And that would be interesting. Do, you know, do we
1: know when the F- XFL season is going to run?
0: Well, I think it's going to run at the same time that the AAF would have. I think it's going to start in 2020, I believe, after the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be almost the same. Okay. So they would have been side-by-side competitors in theory. That's what led a lot of people to wonder. It's like in the long run, could they have merged or they could have you know, done whatever? So the problem is this. Number one, you don't have a television partner technically yet. Now, let's say Fox becomes a television partner. Let's, let's play it out. You've got plenty of money. That's not a concern. You're willing to market it. Not a concern. You, you've got almost all the components. The problem is, again, the well, has just been poisoned a moment ago. So a lot of the other television networks aren't going to be interested in you. There aren't going to be a lot of good, happy feelings. All the Alliance fans that were let down are not going to have good, happy, fun feelings. They're, they're just not. They're not going to be interested in div- in getting themselves you know interested in another spring football league when their spring football league that just got started, they just got interested in it. Got The rug got pulled out from under them. They're not going to have good feelings about that. And I use, for Vince McMahon, I use the analogy of when he bought WCW back in the early 2000s. The idea, I think, in a lot of people's heads legitimately was... Well, WCW is doing very badly. AOL Time Warner almost ran the company into the ground. They were still getting 2 million viewers a week at the tail end. That's after they had been running into the ground. Right. Their best days had already passed, and they were on the decline. Raw was getting 5 or 6 million viewers a week during that same you know head-to-head matchup. So they go, oh, well, logically that means Raw will be doing 7 million viewers. That didn't happen. A lot of those fans were burned so badly by the way that ended that they never came back. They yeah. just went away. And some of the football fans the Alliance have aren't your traditional NFL fans. They drew some new fans from elsewhere. Yeah. So if their first taste and exposure is, by the way, we're going to stick a knife in your back, that's not a good sensation. No, for sure it's not. And you're not going to immediately change your devotion to another team. So like I mentioned specifically the the fans in San Antonio, they had 30,000 fans for this upstart league that came out of nowhere. The fans in San Antonio showing some love and appreciation for football because they really wanted to have a team. Yeah. And they got one. And now that's been taken away. Now, the XFL has a team in Houston and a team in Dallas. If you're a fan from San Antonio, are you necessarily going to root for a team in Houston and Dallas when you've already got an NFL team in those two markets anyway? No, probably not. Yeah, so I don't know if that's going to... So the question is going to become, if you're the XFL, you get a network deal, you get all that taken care of, is there actually going to be... Are you even going to draw the same ratings as the Alliance? Can you even match the ratings? Yeah. Because right now... The NFL skeptics are going to be the exact same people in 2020 that were there in 2019. Yep. They're no more interested in your version than the other one. And the the counter arguments are going to be the same. By the way, those AAF players, the ones that don't go to the NFL, because the NFL has started signing some of these players. Garrett Gilbert, I think, is signed with the Browns. Like some of, the, some of these players are getting now a second look, which was the whole point of the alliance in the first place. So in that sense, they succeeded. Maybe one of them will become the Tommy Maddox of the alliance to... Because Tommy Maddox had a decent little career in the NFL afterwards. Yep. So some of those guys may get that opportunity now. But the problem now going forward is going to be you're still drawing from the same pool of players. And unless something changes with the NFLPA, nothing has changed. Like the situation, you're still drawing from the same pool.
1: The only thing that's good for the XFL is that the AAF is not drawing your players now. Yeah. So those people that weren't in the NFL – they unless they're in the CFL now they only really they have only one other option you yeah one or the other or now you can go to the XFL which is good but you know that's how ha- here's some advice friendly advice to Vince McMahon don't go off on the NFLPA and say if you don't get what you want you're gonna fold the league I think Vince just put it out there
0: I think Vince is a little even though he's crazy at times I think Vince is a little more savvy at that I think he's I think he knows how to play this no. media game See, a lot better Vince is, Vince is crazy.
1: Yes, but he's not an idiot.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that you can accuse him of many things. Idiocy isn't one of them, and he knows he knows how to. He's going to stay away from anything that's going to hurt his own product that way, because for him, this is a pure ego thing.
1: No, oh, for sure. As look, I honestly think it's got a great chance as long as he doesn't get on the field and go. This is the
0: XFL. Well, if it's on Fox, you never know.
1: Well, but that's that, the problem. All bets are off. But but. You know, the ego is big it's with strong. Vince McMahon.
0: It's strong. Yeah, no question. But that's, that's the key. Now, let me throw out to you what I would have wanted to do, what I would have considered if I was in the Vince McMahon XFL inner circle, in okay. the Alpha Entertainment inner circle. So we talked about the reasons why, and I stand behind all these. We're going to see what happens. It could very well succeed. It could very well fail. I don't know. And then rehashing a already failed brand is always a risky play. That's why I say it's an ego trip for him. He is demanding. He wants to prove for him, it's proving the World Bodybuilding Federation, which failed, the XFL, which failed, a almost every other non-wrestling endeavor Vince McMahon has ever taken on his movie studio has never really done that much. Like, all these external... Right now, everybody knows him as you succeeded at WWE, and you've turned into a mega success. No question. A multi-billion dollar company. The fact that you can draw $270 million out of thin air, out of your own piggy bank, and it means nothing to you, means you're a success. You are.
1: For sure. Like yeah
0: it means you're a success it means you know what you're doing but everyone considers you a one-trick pony because do you, because everyone's like you are WWE. that's the thing you're good at and i think for vince mcmahon this man doesn't even like football he doesn't He's not interested in anything that is outside of wrestling but for him it's like no 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 i want to be known as the greatest promoter period of all time he missed his call he should gone to boxing too well, the thing—I'm sure he would. I'm sure he considered it. Like he considered every every avenue because he wants to be known as the greatest promoter, not the greatest wrestling promoter, the greatest promoter. Yeah. So for him, that's what he wants. One more success outside of WWE, anything that would be to him the capstone of his legacy. That's what he wants. So for him, making the XFL work is going to be a real priority for him. I think he really wants to see it succeed, and he'll try. He'll yeah. pull out all the stops. So here's what I would have done if I was in the inner circle. I would have pitched. I would have pitched uh, and appease that ego i would have said hey you know what dundon seems to be scoring around with his league why don't we offer to buy it let him get it let him get it out and then of course he would go like why just let it fold He go you're right but think about this what if you buy it and commit to finish off the season you get to the finish line not only do you get a little bit of goodwill from the fans that are there because they're going to appreciate that you got them to the finish line you're going to need to buy you're going to hire a bunch of these players anyway a bunch of these players who are here are probably going to be your players that's good for them You can buy. You immediately have an infrastructure of people working in the teams. Maybe some of them you want for your league anyway. Some of the secretaries, the traveling people. But who's to
1: say he didn't? They didn't do that. And Dundon said no. It's very, it's very possible.
0: But I'm throwing it out there as like as a scenario. I would have pitched the idea to be like, hey, Dundon, look, you want out? I'd even let him have the stupid app. I don't care. But give. But basically, go. I'll offer some money, and I would I would offer a fraction, pennies on the dollar. But I'd say I'll buy it out from you. I will finish off the season. And then at the same time, you're also in the good graces of CBS, who you're not currently partnered with. Whether you end up doing business with them down the road or not, it's not a terrible idea not to close that door. Yeah, for sure. No. It makes a lot of sense. You you can make some friends at the network who could potentially be helpful to you down the road. You can, you can, but then at the end of the season, you close out operations and then you look seriously. It's like, maybe there's a couple of these teams I consider absorbing into my new league. And then you've already got, you inherit some infrastructure and some personnel that you can then use for your new league anyway. And you've got a little bit of goodwill, a little momentum riding into because you would have finished it off and then you're good buddies with Jerry Jones. There none of this is a bad idea. Exactly. It's a win win. And relatively speaking, relatively low cost for you if you're Vince McMahon. Yeah. That's the that's kind of the way that I would have pitched that because then you can still fold the league and no one has bad feelings. They won't hate you. No. They'll hate Tom Dundon. Yeah.
1: And they do already.
0: You come you come off you come off like, hey, at least he got us to the end of the season. And that way, you don't turn off that fan base because go well, look. At least they helped us finish it, and then maybe some of those fans will come over to your new league and go because if you retain any of the teams,
1: and a lot of the players you. would probably want to play for you, considering what you've done for them.
0: Exactly. That's it's it's a it's 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 kind of a PR stunt, but it's right in the WWE playbook. It's a PR stunt where like we lose very little, but we potentially gain a lot. Yeah. So why not? That would have been the way I would have played it out because then that's kind of a win-win and also it gives you a little bit of momentum riding into 2020 when you go run your league.
1: Yeah.
0: So that would have might have been an approach. Again, I don't know if Tom Dundon would have been receptive to that. I don't know if they even tried it. I think the way it, I think the way it broke down so fast though, I think would have made it very difficult to have thrown that deal out because you would have basically had a week to scramble and come up with that deal because you would have needed to do it fast enough to avoid the suspension of operations. You would have had to basically take it over and then have your people rush in and basically go, "All right, you are already there. Stay there. We're still running the game. It would have been it would have been a really a mad scramble. I don't know if they could have pulled that kind of logistics off. But it would have been an interesting uh, scenario had it been in play and had they played it out that way. That all make sense, fair?
1: I, yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, like I said who knows? Maybe they the XFL and Vince McMahon did try to do that, but we'll never know. Probably.
0: Bottom line, I think for me the 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 overall takeaway is Tom Dundon really really screwed the pooch on this. And I don't know if he's ever going to recover any of the money, even if he gets the app or whatever. I don't know if it's going to make back the money. It, it, it's, I think it's a flawed, a failed business deal no matter what, for, from my perspective. From the XFL's perspective, could this be beneficial to them? Maybe. A lot of it is really going to come down to how successfully they're able to market this league. If they're able to take some of those disgruntled AAF fans and convert them into XFL fans It's going to be tough because the XFL did one thing that I'm not a huge fan of. They put a lot of those teams in existing NFL markets. I think that's kind of to try to appeal to the NFL in the same vein as kind of a minor league, you know, comparable. Because you've got a team in Dallas. You've got a team in Houston. You've got a team in St. Louis, which, you know, will help given that they lost their team. But most of those are um, NFL cities. So I don't know if there's going to be the same level of interest. Seattle, like there's a bunch there. They're like, yeah, it'll, I,
1: it will be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I'm and of sure. course, the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast will be on top of it.
0: You no, know, we'll we'll be on we'll be on that league when it comes to it. And as I said, uh, for for football, we're gonna have uh, we'll have the CFL this summer, and then uh, we'll get a chance to to have a little fun with that. All right. Any uh, any other thoughts on the AF or the XFL, either mm-hmm. part of that? I think we're good. Yeah, I think, think we, we,
1: we shall go. move on to what are we looking forward to moving forward.
0: All right, what do you got?
1: Okay, hey, so uh, not a ton. I'm basically looking forward to the final four, although not because I really care, but because, because my bracket's dead. I have one more possible win, and that's Virginia Tech. Or sorry, not Virginia, not Virginia Tech.
0: Should I get the Seven and Garfunkel song again?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, for my for, yeah, for your bracket it, it's, again, more appropriateness for this week. There you go. But now that I feel I've invested so much in paying attention to it because of the bracket, I will at least, I may not tune in for all of the games, but I'll probably tune in for some of the games. So you've got number five, Auburn, at number one, Virginia, tomorrow at 6, so that's Saturday at 6.09 p.m., and then number three, Texas Tech versus number two, Michigan State, at 8.49 p.m. on the same day. So I'm looking forward to that because I think that's, you know, it's worth watching. It's worth turning into taking a look at. And then knowing how the final NHL playoff spot ends up. So yeah. we have the one team that's still alive is the Montreal Canadiens, who are currently tied with the Columbus Blue Jackets.
0: And one poutine away from Dave abandoning his P.K. Subban. Just one poutine away.
1: But remember this. Montreal has... So they're tied on points. Columbus has the tiebreaker. Montreal has one game left. Columbus has two games left. So Montreal's pretty much dead.
0: So you're saying Montreal in the playoffs confirmed?
1: yeah no oh. i'm saying right what i'm saying is the other thing that looks good right now and i really hope this happens because it's going to make our podcast better and will be enjoyable for the two of us dallas versus nashville
0: is that the is that what they're that's tracking? what
1: that's the matchup right now
0: Ooh, i like it it's time to go to war actually it was funny um I'll mention it when I'm looking forward to. But uh, do you have anything else you that's want to? That's it. You got the final four. Okay. So real quick, I'm going to talk about what I'm looking forward to, and I'll, and I'll reference that since you bring it up. I didn't realize that was the current matchup, but that's that is hilarious. Uh, you know, I am prepared to go to war. I have trouble. I have trouble bringing forth the full um, energy into into that particular world, but I'll try. I'll do. I'll do my best. So what I'm looking forward to this week is now obviously no AF to watch, which is you know trace Sad. But what uh, what I'm going to do is I'm definitely going to watch the games on Saturday night because. You know, obviously getting the playoff matchup settled. And obviously now there's nothing else to distract me from that. Multi-screen life is going to be in effect, though, uh, this weekend. Because on Friday, when we're recording the podcast here, you've got NXT TakeOver, which is the pre-WrestleMania thing, if you're a wrestling fan of any kind. You know, the non-real sports portion of our podcast. But we did talk about Vince McMahon a lot. So, you know, it's a a comfortable segue. It's a comfortable segue. So that is generally a better show. But this weekend is also... WrestleMania weekend. That's specifically why this all kind of ties together nicely. So, I will be watching WrestleMania, but uh, I'll be having something else on another screen for sure because the WrestleMania show. Do you know how long the WrestleMania show is this year? Six hours. It's like six or seven hours. It's stupid. So, needless to say, like, I'll have it on, but uh, I'll be watching other things because it- no way, 0% chance. And by the way, this isn't a wrestling podcast, but I am going to say one thing that I think works for everything sports, non sports, whatever. If you're doing a show, especially a show where you can control the outcome, like, say, wrestling, there is no excuse on earth for having a seven-hour show ever, or a six-hour show, or even a five-hour show. It's not necessary. It's not required. And the WWE, like I said earlier about Vince always promoting things, their big thing is, well, for the first time ever, the main event will involve the women folk. Great. Good job. And it's going to be interesting. But if you're there and you're there for seven hours, how much energy are you going to have for the main event?
1: That's true. Like
0: it sounds, no matter what it is. It sounds like it. a good idea on paper. And I think the characters in it are compelling enough to be able to do a good job. I don't doubt they'll do a good job. My concern is, will the audience be dead by the time they get to the actual main event yeah. after six and a half or seven hours? That's obscene. And that goes for any other sport. Like if you're going and you have a marathon game, it's really hard to get a lot of energy going. Yeah. Towards those later point, at that point you're just happy it's over. So it's not, it's not so much you didn't appreciate what happened. You'll appreciate it more in time. I think it'll be I think it'll be a good show predominantly, but I think it'll be surrounded by tons of filler. So uh, it'll be multi-screen life for sure. Hockey on the Saturday, we'll watch the NXT Takeover tonight. Uh, while, probably while I'm editing the podcast, most likely. And then Sunday I will watch WrestleMania and um i'll try to catch a little bit here and there there's a couple of good ufc cards coming up but i'm not gonna worry about this weekend there's already enough like there's already too much and if i can squeeze in a little bit of the final four in there i'll do that as well but there's a lot on that television yeah the multi-screen life will be going full blast plus mlb still playing like i already did the quad screen i said dave the picture we're on, we're on the quad screen on the one screen so we got we got a lot so that'll be that'll be interesting. Again, last last word on that will be condolences for the folks in the Alliance of American Football. It was a good season while it lasted. The Orlando Apollos, by the way, you'll appreciate this, declared themselves AAF champion. I feel that's fair. And there are uh there's I believe it's fan graphs or one of the one of the things that takes wa- uh, futures wagers on it. Um anybody who bet on the Orlando Apollos uh were given their money nice. as winners. So they, they given that they were 7 and 1, they they were the best team that year. Now, we never know what would have happened in a playoff, but it's nice that they paid some people off. Most sports books said, look, there was technically no championship game. We'll give you back your money. Like, we will never know what would have happened if they're. But the, uh, I saw it on Twitter. They declared themselves alliance champions. I like it. And I was like, you know what? I don't have any issue. I'm not. Congratulations to the Orlando Apollos. Not the way you would have wanted to win it. You would have rather have done it legitimately yeah. on the field, but they were the best team overall that season. And then uh, hopefully, uh, we'll cross our fingers. Hopefully, good things for the XFL in the future. I still think spring football can work, but you're really going to have to be determined. And we're going to see, we're going to find out uh, how much determination Vince McMahon has in order to accomplish his goals. It's going to be tough for a lot of folks to find something to support, but hopefully, you'll at least check out a game or two. And then, like I said, this summer. We can look forward to In the Land of Canada. Or if you've got ESPN, I think the streaming service. I think ESPN Plus does play some CFL. I think they do on
1: ES- ESPN 2 as well. Sometimes. They, they,
0: they might. So there are some games in there if you're interested in a three-down variety game. So that's it for us on the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast. Before we go, right at the tail end here, we'll do our shameless plugs. At Unnecessary Podcast, that's our Instagram. We've got Unnecessary underscore pod. That's our Twitter. The site is UnnecessaryPod.Podbean.com. So, otherwise, you can check it out on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts if you like your audio. In YouTube, we have videos talking about topics like this where it's topical. I specifically outlined everything I talked to here with Dave in a certain amount of depth as well. So, that's Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. You can type that into YouTube, you'll find the channel. And we do put the podcast up there as well. So, we'll have extras where it applies, we'll have the podcast there. And lastly, you can also look up Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast on Facebook. We created a page there that uh, that lets us kind of post both on Instagram there. So a lot of the, the content will match up on both. So if you have one or the other, that's fine. We'd love to get any feedback you might have. We've noticed that there are some more folks listening, some more folks watching. We appreciate the feedback and love going back and forth a little bit where we can. Otherwise, we will see you next time on the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.